Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by Fieldcraft Survival's Mobility and Motorsports Director, Mike Hernandez. Mike built some badass Overland Jeeps, built to take him anywhere that he wants to go. He talks about why vehicle preparedness is so important, your vehicle loadout, recovery, communication and navigation, camping, the key things you should have in your vehicle for hunting, and much more. 100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge to edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three bedroom, one and a half bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. 
It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house. You send us a message, an inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. On today's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, this one comes from Elijah Stance out of West Virginia. And I have to say up front, this is probably one of the most entertaining mountain buck stories that I've received to this point. So I, I am, uh, I'm looking forward to reading this one to you guys. But if you do want to check out the photo of this deer and what Elijah killed, you can head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram and East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook. Give them a follow there and uh, check out all the posts. So Elijah wrote, it was the day before Thanksgiving in 2016 and I was contacted about a piece of property for lease to hunt. I was able to get the lease to hunt and scout a few hours before sunset. I located a ridge top with heavy thick cover on one side and a clear cut on the other side with a tree stand half rotten, but I decided I'd give it the opportunity with the amount of sign in that area. It was the morning of the 24th and I was dealing with a stomach virus, so bathroom breaks were essential at the time. Fast forward to 10 a.m. and no movement, no sign, and I'm hurting. I can only hold on so much longer and dinner is so close to being done. I decided I have one more hour before I'm heading out. 20 minutes later and I couldn't hold it and off the side of the stand I went, sweat beads just a rolling. Not even 10 minutes later, a three-year-old walks 20 yards from the north side of the stand and I take the perfect shot while filming. <laughs> I love this story. It's such an awesome buck that Elijah shot and it's just Funny, I think uh, I think just about any of us have been in, in one of these situations one time or another. So I appreciate uh, Elijah sharing this story with us. And I'd love to hear your mountain buck story. Um, please, if you would, send them through email. Just go to eastmeetswesthunt.com. Fill out the contact us form there. Send it in that way. I'm getting them through whole bunch of different places like Facebook. I, I never, uh, I rarely check the messages there cause it's, it's so awkward to, to see whether it comes from my personal page or East meets West hunt. And it puts it in this anyways, don't, don't send them there. Um, Instagram works too, but, uh, the, the quickest way for me to be able to get it is, is through email. So send it over there. I'd love to share your stories. Uh, I did want to mention that uh, recently, I released a new hat on the East Meets West website called the Predator Performance Hat, and I wanted to talk about this because I wore it in. I wore it while I was scouting um, the last weekend there, and had it on uh, my Instagram stories, and and I uh, got some messages about it, and a few people bought it right then when it was out, and I realized I don't think I ever shared anything about it. But what's cool about it? It's unstructured crown. It's fully curved vi a visor. It's open strap closure on the back. It's pretty low profile hat. 
It's really lightweight polyester. It's built by Legacy. So if you're familiar with Legacy's classic fits, um, and then it has the EMW flag patch on the front of it. And it's really best worn when the, either the temperatures are high or your exertion level is high because it's built to wick moisture and keep you cool on any of those, any of your long hikes or early season hunts, turkey hunts, things like that. And I also do donate 3% of the proceeds uh, from this product and any of the other apparel items on the website to the conservation organization of the quarter. And this quarter I've, um, I've chosen the Sportsman's Alliance, and then that'll change to the National Wild Turkey Federation here in a couple days in, in quarter two. So I like to, to switch it up and, and donate to these. I've been doing this from day one in 2018, been, been paying out no matter, it depends on how many orders I get, but always donating to these conservation organizations because it's super important to, to be able to support them and make sure that we keep hunting alive and well. So if you would check that out and uh, would really appreciate it. Uh, with that being said, we got snow again here in Pennsylvania. Every single weekend we seem to be getting snow, but I did get to go out and scout some big wood swamp areas, just flatter terrain, not really much elevation at all. Um, the, I've always struggled with these areas in the past, um, but I I do like them. There's some big deer that I've found living in these types of areas, um, but outside of the rut, I haven't I haven't necessarily figured them out completely. But I love the beaver ponds. Scouted some beaver ponds out, and um, I've hunted a similar area um, within probably five or six miles of this particular location before, and. It's one of the only spots that have killed multiple bucks from one tree uh, around one of these beaver ponds. So it's uh, it's I, I love scouting these types of areas. So found some good sign. Uh, didn't didn't pick up any sheds on that day when I was in there. Which uh, right right now I'm mostly just focused on scouting. But I would have bet just about anything that I would have found sheds in this place with just kind of those swampy openings and grasses and everything in there that I typically after a hard winter find sheds in, but, uh, whether someone else already was in there and found them or I just didn't find them <laughs> either way. It, uh, it was, it was a good, good scouting trip and, uh, just preparing for the mountain buck scouting camp here in a couple of weeks. It's coming quickly, uh, but getting ready for that. So, uh, I guess with with that being said, uh, let's just jump into this epi episode with Mike Hernandez. All right, we're live. Mike Hernandez, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to get to get to talk to you here. I've been following along with your stuff on YouTube and on Instagram for quite a while, and everything through Fieldcraft Survival, and uh, it's a it's it's uh it's been really cool from from my standpoint. I love what you guys are doing. I love the planning phases when it comes to hunting and and trips and camping and all that different stuff. So like it just it really fit, and I've been just kind of like watching from afar what you guys have been doing and and really enjoy it. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the support, seriously. Yeah. So how about you start off by just giving a little bit of a background on yourself okay. and uh, who you are, what you do. 
Absolutely. So for the last four years, uh, going on five, uh, I've been involved with a company called Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, the company was founded by a good friend of mine, Mike Glover, who is a 20-year Special Forces veteran, CIA, um, uh, just very, very, um, for lack of a better word, you know, top tier. Well, actually, that is the way they describe it, right? <laughs> top tier. <laughs> yeah. Top tier operator. And um, I remember, you know, finding him the exact same way we found each other, you know, on, on social media. And uh, right around that time frame, five years ago, <clears throat> my daughter was, you know, she was just turning five. And I was already on this journey of, you know, I need to be more prepared. I have this family, you know, I have a professional life and behavior health. And, you know, I didn't grow up with this like preparedness, centeredness that we have now. Right. And I remember when I found Glover online, I was like, dude, this, this guy's legit. And I made a point to when he came down to Arizona where I live uh, to take one of his courses and it was a, it was a combat, it was fighting carbine, I believe is what it was. And it just totally changed my life. You know, um, at the time I was heavily involved uh, with the Jeep community, like you've seen online. And, uh, when I met Mike that day, he's like, dude, we need to talk. I have this idea to combine these preparedness things. I have some things I want to, you know, kind of bounce off you in terms of ideas. And I mean, that's all she wrote. I mean, after that, yeah. we spent the last five years just doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you still, do you still work full-time in the health services space? So I, so this is what we're, we're in March. So this year is technically my first complete year working full-time for Philcraft. Okay. So uh, my last client in behavior health was October, November, November. And I still have a professional license that I have open, but I haven't taken any um, clients or any other cases since then. So yes, I'm still active and my license is still active, but I haven't because of Philcraft, you know, gone back to that yet. So, which was the goal, by the way, is to do this full time. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. So, what? So, explain your title here, because I I, uh, yeah. I love I love hearing it because it's you, I don't think there's another title that's similar in, uh, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't, man. Um, I mean, I am the Philcraft Rival Mobility Director, right? Mobility and Motorsports Director, and it's it's very interesting because everyone that I say that to that you know, has any kind of interest in is like, what, what does that mean? And I'm like, dude, I, I still can't believe I get to do this for a living. <clears throat> but essentially what I do is I operate the vehicle side of preparedness for Fieldcraft survival. Um, there is some training that we do. Uh, we do a pretty cool high-end course called the mobility experience um, where you come in, we talk about mobility principles, but it's also in conjunction with like, you know, survival, medical, uh, firearms training, you know, security above anything else is most important. But you get to break bread with us and, and Glover. You know, we use night vision at night. We, we set up obstacles. And then at the very end, you have this big challenge. Um, so that's part of the training aspect of it. But there's also a huge marketing aspect of it, which is what you see a lot of on Instagram and YouTube, right? So essentially, I get to just live the life, travel around, you know, build cool stuff, and then just relay, you know, this is some of the principles of preparedness um, as it's pertains to vehicles so yeah that's a real short answer yeah yeah that's that's awesome that sounds like such it. a such a cool job <laughs> and and like to be able to do that like it's something you're you know you're passionate about and love to do and like you said you've been involved in the jeep community for a while and as i was doing some research back research on you and stuff and like seeing like popping up in these forums and stuff back in the day and like it's it's uh it's pretty cool so it's like Isn't really it? a, a dream come true to 
don't think I'll ever get used to it. I don't think I'll ever get used to it, man. It's just like, (laughs) wow, this is what I'm doing. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's really cool about what, what you guys are doing with like these courses and these, these experiences and things. And that's like, I actually, it's it's been a lot of the motivating standpoint. Like I'm having a first, my first, like what I'm calling a mountain buck scouting camp. And I'm having this experience where I have people coming in and teaching them the principles of scouting whitetails in the Appalachian mountains and then getting out there and actually doing it. And I have other experts in the the field that are in there to be able to talk with and have that like just in-person experience that uh, that's like so when when that has been a lot of uh being able to kind of watch what you guys are doing has been a lot of the motivating factors on what what i've been wanting to do and and finally kind of made the the jump into to trying to do that so that's that's really cool hunting is a perfect example you know i'm still relatively new to hunting Mm -hmm. and these are some of the things that i was like well you know i know how to go out off road but how does it change through hunting, you know? And, it, yeah. and they're essentially identical though. That's what's so cool about it. Cause I've, you know, had what, like five or six trips that I've done now, but 100%, man, I, I, you know, when I first started, it was the exact same situation that you're talking about. So you just, you just got into hunting recently then? Relatively. Yeah. Relatively within the last, I want to say eight years. And really that's only because of the public land hunt draws, right? It's super difficult Mm-hmm. I've, I've honestly been on this like two year drought where I can't draw any tags. Um, but I have had three successful hunts. Um, one of them was a deer hunt here in Arizona, uh, and then two cow out tags that I, that I was able to fill. Um, but bro, if I could do, if I could get drawn, like, I yeah, would you live in a break. bad state, <laughs> <laughs> like a really bad, like, and an amazing state as far as the standpoint of like the, the quality of hunting is incredible. Yeah. But for as far as getting tags, like that's like my once in a lifetime plan is Arizona. Like I buy points and I apply every year, but it's like, if I can get that one time, that's, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> 100%. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's really funny. And, and w- so how, how did you, and this is a little bit off track, but how did you kind of yeah. get into that? I'm just curious. How did you get into hunting or wanting to do it? you know what it was, man? And like, I use my daughter as an example, because, you know, in behavioral health, I'm also licensed like a foster parent. And one of the things that I was, um, and am a a really big proponent supporter on is, you know, being active in the community. Right. And I started to volunteer, um, at a young age and, and serve the community within behavioral health with kids and homeless shelters and, and stuff like that. And never really, like the lights never really went on that I need to be self-sufficient, right? We in the United States are so um, blessed that we have lost touch with very basic skills, right? And one of the things that happened to me, and uh, getting back to my daughter full circle, is when she was born, I was like, holy crap, I have everything to lose now because I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to procure water. I don't know how to, if the grid goes down, I'm screwed, man. Or if, if you know, whatever happens, natural disasters. You know, there, there was one course that I taught, bro where literally that day there was two hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico, California was on fire, and there was these huge massive riots all through, you know, the north, uh, western portions of the United States, civil unrest. And when you sit back and look at those things, you know, the question has to be asked is, what do I do? You know, how do I protect my family? 
So for me, that's how I got into it. It was my baby girl when I first had her, and and the rest was history. Interesting. I I, I love that, and it's it's cool to hear you know everyone's kind of story that didn't mm-hmm. grow up with it. Like me, I just didn't have a choice. That's just what it was, you know. <laughs> right. So like it's um, which I'm very lucky to to be able to have that because yes, it's are. not it's not simple to you know n- not never have hunted before or not have like, right. you know, the mentors to be able to do that, to try to get into it. So I'm sure that's been, been a challenging process for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. But I'm sure now too, though, with field craft survival, you probably have some pretty good contacts and people that have been able yeah. to help you out through that process. Absolutely, man. You know, we, and we got some new things brewing too. I, I can't say too much, but Eastman's journal is actually becoming, you know, a bigger part of our network. And, um, some of the stuff we have on the table, I'm like, oh my God, let's go. Yeah. Please teach me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. The, the Eastman's that's, uh, <laughs> that's just, that's just, uh, top level as you can get right? from, from that standpoint. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I've done podcasts with Ike and Guy and Scott Reekers and those guys. I was actually just on the phone with Scott, uh, before, nice. I, before I was talking to you here, but it's, uh, that's, that's awesome. But um, anyway, so back back on track a little bit here. It all kind of goes in into this this whole idea of preparedness and like with you on the, the vehicle side. What I see is like when w- one of the biggest things that I've noticed, especially coming from I'm living in Pennsylvania and I'm traveling out west or even hunting around, you know, even hunting within 30 minutes from my house. Like all these, there's so many things that can go wrong. And like when I when I I'm just like a planner by nature. And like my, mm-hmm. my profession is in health and safety and which it has to do with. So I'm always used to like the, the planning aspect of it and what can go wrong and trying to figure out solutions to these problems. So like the vehicle side of it, you know, is was something, you know, as, as simple as, Oh, I could get a flat tire and I'm out in the mountains and I have no cell service. I have no way of yes. communication. I have, you know, I, I, there's no gas stations for 80 miles on, on these roads and yep. I'm low on fuel. Like all these things like start coming into your, your head. Like the first trip I went out West, I had no spare tire. Mm-hmm. I had no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, it was, it was a mess. You know, I had, I had 35 inch tires on my truck and no spare tire and like in all these different things. And I'm like, all right, like I, I need to, I need to start thinking about this, you know, better because if something happens, uh, then, then I'm, you know, shit out of luck and I, 100%. I need to, I need to figure this out. So I'd like to, to hear your, your thoughts on that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So it's, I love that you say that because quite literally there's three things, well, mainly two things that you are more than likely to encounter within your vehicle. And top, top one is a tire failure, whether it's a puncture um, you know, blowout, whatever that looks like, or low tire pressure, just because the, you know, um, the temperature dropped or whatever that looks like tires. And the next one is batteries, right? When you look at the statistics, most of us, and it was like Cooper tire, they, they, uh, they did a, a survey and they found that on average, we, as just regular people spend, uh, 18 to 22 days within our vehicles on like commuting family stuff, you know, in 365 days, that's almost a month, right? So on average in a year, you're spending about that time in your vehicle. Um, a lot of people don't realize that because it's just, like I said, we're so blessed. We just get up, we grind Monday to Friday typically, and it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. What happens if you're in a situation like that with no cell service or your battery dies, or you just, you know, AAA can't come? Well, you should have the skills to be able to manage that, especially if you're hunting, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. 
Uh, I was just in uh, uh, Salem, Missouri for the rally races for uh, Mike Glover's first of seven races we're doing this year, right? And a lot of people are like, what's Phil Crest Rival doing in motorsports? And I was like, well, I'll tell you because motorsports and preparedness have the same crossover that hunting does in that sense. You're in a vehicle. We're going to spend, like I just said, 18 to 22 days out of the year in our vehicles. You need a vehicle to get to wherever you're hunting. Um, and then what do you do in terms of contingencies? Well, uh, for us, <laughs> when we were going through, because we rented three vehicles and we brought our Sprinter van, um, me being the vehicle guy, one of the first thing I do is I come through the checklist and I, and I always say, hey, batteries and tires are always what we're looking at. You can't really test a battery unless you have a machine but, or a, a meter, but you can always look at tires, put your hands on them, go. Um, the very first vehicle that one of our girls picked didn't have a spare tire either. And I, and I shit you not, the following day, the car that she was in, they blew out a tire and needed that spare, that the little donut that was in the new one that we got. So when we got there, I was like, don't get that one. doesn't have a spare. Yeah. Tires are the first thing. Dude, and straight up, literally the next, I got it on video too. I'm going to post it here soon. Um, because it's just a fact of life. Like yeah. that's the way it is, dude. You know? So let's be prepared. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And when, so I, I, th I think it's pretty self-explanatory on why it's important, you know, fr yeah. from, from that standpoint. Although I, I think it's a, it needs to be reminded regularly because there's, it's like one of those things like you, you can do it a million times and nothing goes wrong. And then there's that one time and you don't forget about it because it's, you know, it can be serious or, or whatever. And, and that's where, where I think just like the, trying to consciously get it into people's minds yep. and then putting together these checklists or whatever, when you're going yep. on a trip to make sure that you're, you know, you're on board with that. So absolutely. I, I know you were talking, uh, you mentioned it earlier about mobility principles. So do you want to kind of explain what that, what that means? Absolutely. So within mobility, one of the things that we really like to focus on is like, um, entry level things, you know, when people see my gladiator, a lot of times, you know, I'll get this comment of, well, I don't need anything like that. And I'm the first to say 100%. You don't need a gladiator on 40s and one tons. And, no, 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 no. That's, that's just, that's recreation, right? Um, but some of the principles that we do are like, you know, loadout, right? Recovery. Um, I'm writing an article right now for another magazine on um, just emergency preparedness, right? And when you start to build up your vehicle, the base or the foundation of anything that we like to teach is four-wheel drive. So from there you go and you start adding pieces, you know, to the puzzle, but it doesn't have to be something outrageous. You know, a lot of that is marketing too. And I'm always, you know, up front with that. I mean, it's eye catching. Dude, I just wrapped the whole thing in multicam black, right? Like you don't, yeah. need, you don't need to do that. <laughs> But it looks sick. <laughs> right. So, so what I'll do is, you know, if you come to the course, we introduce ourselves, we give our backgrounds. I have all my guys there, you know, uh, Kevin Estelle is there, Glover's there. Um, it's either going to be, so we have a couple medics. One of them is, um, doc Jones, Nate, he'll be there. <clears throat> and, and one of the first things we do is I have a checklist. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with cyber scout from Spartan forge. Cyber scout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. Cyber Scout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. 
Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. And I just call it a pre-flight checklist. And what I'm doing with that checklist is, one, make sure the vehicle's good to go on our, on our uh, excursion, but I'm also kind of gauging everyone's skill level, right? Um, and there's some real basic things you can do with maintenance is another one um, um, in regard to your uh, basic principles that will help you um, tackle anything, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. And, and you know, and I think that's where when, when I think of like overlanding or I think like that type of community, you think of like these very outrageous, you know, vehicles that everybody wants, but they're like, man, I can't, you know, I can't afford that or I don't, I, that doesn't, right. isn't practical for me, you know? Right. So like being able to break down those, those basic, you know, type things. And so like for you, I, I guess, uh, you know, kind of transitioning here a little bit when mm-hmm. you talked about loadout, like, so basically what you're meaning by that is like what you should keep in your vehicle. Is that yes. correct? Okay. Yes. So explains a little bit of the, either the principles or some of the things okay. that, that make sense from that standpoint. So within survival in broad strokes, there's typically six, things that you need to focus on in order to sustain life. Um, the cool thing about vehicles, right, is it's an extension of your rucksack as one of the key um, um, examples that we give. Uh, that's a military reference. So typically when you're in the military and you're going through survival school or even learning how to sustain life, you know, that little 30-pound rack or ruck or 60 pounds per hour big, it's going to be everything that you need. The best part about a vehicle is the entire rig can sustain that for whatever amount of time, right? Um, so it makes it a lot more comfortable, man. Yeah. So when we get into principles and we get into loadout, loadouts change um, just basically on the amount of time you're going to spend as a, as a foundation. And then after that, you know, there's atmospherics. So if you're looking at principles of survival, you have food, water, shelter, comms, med or hygiene, um, security, and then we all throw in like recovery because that's that's pretty common. Yeah. Um, for for those situations, so those very basic things. If you're looking for something or a way to organize it, focus on those, and then make it your own. Right. Um, for me, I have a pretty extensive setup, but it's all the loadout is is different for me because I support a large group or a class. Right. Um, I'll give you an example. You know. Onboard air, most people don't have on a daily driver, but for those of us who are off-roading or rock crawlers, that's very common. And you can do that one of two ways, right? You can do um, a CO2 bottle um, or an onboard air compressor. I have both because I support everybody, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're that guy. You're the guy that, that guy. You're, yeah, the, right? you're the friend that everybody wants to go with because he's always got everything, right? <laughs> to help them out when they forget things, right? Dude, and I'm, I'm here for it, right? I yeah. love it. Um, so, so that's what your loadout will consist of. Uh, it changes, you know, 
if if people are asking, you know, I just got a new, let's say, Tacoma, it's four-wheel drive, it's bone stock, what are the things I need? Your loadout in the beginning is very simple, right? Medical equipment, get, get one of our med kits from Fieldcraft Survival. Um, make sure you have some recovery equipment and get a fire extinguisher, and that's a real nice basic um, starting point for you. Yeah, and what what would you say about like accessibility or accessibility of these items and how that you know makes sense? I know, know for me a lot of times where I've been trying to get better is I would have a whole bunch of stuff, but I wouldn't know where it was. You know, like I've had it in there for so long or whatever. Like, how do you know what 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 that is? I know, like, so I, I had. I just had a guy on uh, recently talking about uh, first aid kits and emergency preparedness from that standpoint, you know, just for hunting specifically. And we were talking about like, that's why you don't have one for everything because like, he's like, if you have the one from your hunting pack, you throw it in your truck and then you forget to throw it back in your hunting pack. And they're like this. So I I guess that made me think of uh, for what you said, like accessibility and knowing where things are at and where certain things, you know, maybe some things are important enough that they need to be right in the cab of your truck and arms reach quickly Mm -hmm. or something can be, it's fine. All right. It's in the, it's in the back, it's in the bed of the truck, it's in the, the trunk, whatever that might be. Right. So in, in order of priority, um, let's, let's address med. What's really cool about the last five years is that original conversation when I talk with Mike about, let's say, med or the way we're doing Stop the Bleed, um, which isn't advanced. It's just a very basic principle, you know, of you see lots of red liquid, which is your blood coming out um, profusely in an exaggerated manner. And you stop that because you're going to die in the next, you know, three to five minutes. So how do you do that in a vehicle? Well, and I'll reference racing, right? I was, I was fortunate enough to run as a co-driver in King of the Hammers. And one of the things that we see in racing is long limb injuries, okay? So you're going at speed, you flail or you flip. Well, your arms, if you're not strapped in or, or good at holding it, and sometimes it's just natural reaction or the force is too great, your arms come out of a window and what happens? Whammo, you take a long limb injury, right? Um, it's also the same in, in like crushing injuries, so what you need to focus on when it comes to your med kits is one, it needs to be able to handle bumps and bruise, bruises, you know, burns, because um, that's also a possibility in your vehicle. But it needs to be able to manage trauma and not just for you, for everybody you're going to have in your family. So after you've established that kit, which, um, um, which we partnered with, uh, I think their name is TACMED now. Um, and those guys are all, you know, paramedics. They're all way more medical knowledge than me. And they've compiled all that stuff. And we basically private label it for them, right? It's, it's got our Fieldcraft Survival uh, sticker on it. You know, those things you can search, and it's already done by guys who know and have experienced that stuff and trained to that, to that standard. Um, those kits need to be in an area at arm's length, right? So we make a couple of pr- uh, products. One of them is a visor panel uh, that's got some really strong Velcro, and you can just reach up either your passenger or driver's side, pull those off, and it has everything you need in it. Yeah. Um, a tourniquet's always a good idea for your long limbs for everybody in in the you know in the uh, the vehicle. Uh, but we also make a really cool product. Um, it's our mobility bag that is is a backpack like a rucksack, but it opens up and it can mount to either the front of your seat or the back. So again, arms length. I can reach over in my truck, snatch it off, and then we're real quick and ready you know ready to go. Um, what's cool about those products is we tested them in my first professional race last year in King of the Hammers. We beat the tar out of them for like 14 hours and they did excellent. And then Mike just ran his first race in Salem, Missouri. Same thing, set it up on there. And if they can withstand racing like that, yeah. 
they can they can withstand daily driving, right? Yeah. Um, so priority on that, dude. You have to be able to grab them. Uh, one of the things I am working on, because I'm also in like the, the motorcycle side, the motor side, is I'm working on a bag right now um, that will be able to there's a lot of bags that um, you can grab, like say your firearms from them quickly, you know, even when you're hunting, you can swing them over, open a flap, and then out comes your firearm. But like if you're in a, a motorcycle situation uh, and and you have an accident, you're more than likely going to be separated from your bike, right? Yeah. Which is different from a vehicle. So that needs to be on your person, right? So that's another thing to consider um, when you're setting up your, your medical is, you know, your everyday carry, your mobility, and then it extends also to your homestead, which is your home. Um, in terms of fires, I, dude, I, I don't know what the heck happened, but last summer I had three fires I responded to. Never in my life had a fire, um, but three of them all last summer. And um, one of them was a trailer. The, the brakes locked up, melted the, the, the brakes, and then got over to the wooden section of the boat. It was a boat trailer and set the whole thing on fire, dude. So that needs to be hard. Yeah, it's great. Jeez. Um, so those need to be hard mounted in a, in a ready access location. I have a little like a molly panel in, in um, the rear door of my truck. So what I was able to do is run around, get out, quick pin, pull that out, and then you know, <coughs> hit the fire where I needed it. So those two are top priority for like easy access. Recovery, although you can get stuck and maybe there is an instance where it's a little bit more difficult or, or you know, there's an injury involved, um, you really don't have to get those things like immediately like you would like if you had a bleed or a fire per yeah. se, right? So that's the priority on those. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that's like, like for me, I've, I've always kept like my, um, so up until this point I've run a deck system in the back of my truck and the one whole side I kept to like recovery equipment and I had that stuff in there. Now I'm switching things up. I'm getting rid of, I like changing things, but I'm getting rid yeah, of my, my topper and pulling the deck system out and I'm putting a diamond back cover on and figuring cool. out how to mount my tent to that and, yeah. and, and working through it. But, um, it, uh, I, I've always, yeah, kept that stuff kind of out of the way. Cause it's like, you know, even if you're in yeah. a tough situation, typically you can get to that. It's not a real life or death type of scenario, Absolutely. I guess from, from the recovery standpoint, while we're on that, what are some of the things that you, you would think that, you know, someone going on a hunting trip or really, I mean, again, similar to, to what you're doing on maybe a little bit of a lesser scale, what do yeah. you think that they, that you should have for a recovery standpoint? So all vehicles come with a jack and some kind of like crowbar or method of removing lugs, right? I can't tell you, dude, how many, how many people I've talked to when we're having this conversation and the very next thing that I ask them is, do you know where yours is at? And they look at me like, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, that's priority. Like I said, if you're going to be experiencing tire things, which again, the statistics are there, um, you need to know where that's at. So first and foremost, you know, a jack or a high lift jack, right, will give you um, a ton of more options. You can even use it as a winch if you don't have one or a come along winch if you don't have it um, as a staple. So there's yeah, there's like four things that you should look into um, when it comes to recovery. Uh, a winch is always, always, always um, a very um, um, useful tool, although they are expensive and you don't really need those to, let's say, commute. But if you're going to be hunting or extending your range, or going solo, I mean, that piece of equipment is paramount, dude. So get a worn winch, right? The best in the, in, in, um, the industry. I really like, um, what's it called? Uh, synthetic winches because it eliminates some of the risk. Uh, synthetic lines don't store energy the way that the steel lines will. 
there are there is some maintenance, but that's just kind of my recommendation. Um, and you, then you need things like uh, tow ropes, right? A tow strap, which is different from let's say uh, a, a dynamic rope, which will give forty percent um, stretching capability to you, right? So the difference between those two. Um, is you get a running start at the dynamic, it stretches, magnifies the load, and then gets you out. Whereas the other toe strap, you just pull it slightly tight and then move, you know, someone out of a space where, where you can't. Um, oh, okay. Then, I've never so, seen the the dynamic ones before. Oh. Bro, I use that thing all the time. If you check out our, our YouTube page on, on Footcraft Survival. Yeah. Um, I want to say like three years, two years ago, three years ago. One of our buddies, one of Mike's buddies, uh, Lee Busby, who's this super top tier guy, it had a Gladiator brand making you, and he actually got swept away by, um, we have uh, flash floods here in Arizona, and he crossed this, this little area that wasn't that bad when he was there originally, and then within minutes, I mean, it just started rushing, so his Gladiator got across the front section, which has you know, got the, um, the motor in it, which is nice and weighted, and his bed didn't have anything in it, so when he crossed over got his front wheels on, on land It swept the rear and took him a hundred yards down this like three to four foot wash that, I mean, dude, we got video, but you got to see it. Oh, and yeah. uh, we recovered him, which was crazy as it is just to get them out. And then we came back three days later when the water was, was low, but that's the only way I could get him out. You can see in the video, you know, we're kind of moving doing, I didn't have a winch on my truck at the time. Um, and this, what's also cool about a dynamic pro, you just put it in a bag or something like in your, yeah in your truck. Um, and then again, make sure there's nothing that's going to rip up the bottom of both vehicles and you get that little bit of pull and it magnifies the, the pulling force and the working load limits. And, dude, it just got him right out. That's awesome. And so I, I was going to ask you about the winch standpoint, because that's something that like, I, I feel like, is, have, what do you think about the options of like, say the ones that you can put on like to a front hitch or something? So you don't have to have it all the time or you don't have to buy a bumper. Yes. What, what are your thoughts on those? Absolutely. Those, that's such a good option, especially like, let's say if you have multiple rigs or, you know, uh, your budget doesn't allow just to have that thing nestled up front. Absolutely. That's such a good way. You just pin it, move it front and back. Um, and it can go with you on any of your other vehicles. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. And then you would need what a, a separate battery if you were to, to run it as far as on the back, um, to be able to do that or how, how would that work? Yeah. So I, I've seen those come with like, um, either longer, you know, 12 volt connections. I don't think they run. Some of them might run like an alligator clip. I don't remember. That might not be the way you do that because you are going straight to your battery. But yeah, in the rear, you would either need the longer line or, or a rear battery. Sometimes people do that too. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I was wondering. And the, the Warren Winch comment is funny because that's something growing up, like I remember my, my grandpa always telling me and he had like a Jeep with one on and like all, his four-wheeler always like, always get a Warren Winch. It's just always. Don't don't cheap out, on buy a yes. Warren Winch. And that's when I, when I had a side-by-side, I put a Warren on there with synthetic. And I like the synthetic a lot better than the, Same. than the cables. It just seemed to, it, it seemed to stay uh, nice longer and just yeah. like work better, not kink up and have all these Absolutely. things. Well, that, you know, and that's, and that's, I'm glad you said that too. Cause you know, even though we teach survival, the method that we do that is recreation. So I'm not, I'm trying to mitigate all kinds of risk. I'm trying to be out there having a good time. You know? Yeah. I don't want, I don't want my little ones running around and I'm worried that something's going to happen. So I'm with you on the synthetic line, dude. It just, it mitigates that just enough for me so I can go crawling and, you know, in my Wrangler or my truck or, or overland or just even camping, you know? So yeah. 100% agree. And, and I like what you said. So the, the, so what I've done up to this point was 
and I'm going to talk on, on the situation of my truck because I'm, I'm also like kind of asking for advice as I am with, uh, for other people <laughs> yeah. to learn. But like, so I have a, a high lift jack in there and, and then there was like a, uh, an additional kit that I bought to turn it into like a come along and bought a chain with it to be able to do that. It's kind of like, all right, this is my first step option to, for recovery. If I'm in a bind, um, yep. obviously there's limitations to that versus having a winch, but you know, that's kind of like my first step into it and yep. you know the high lift jacks aren't aren't that uh that expensive to They're be not. able to get i think all all in i was like 130 bucks into the yep. into everything for that peace of mind and being able to have that absolutely and and it's a foundational piece like we said in, in terms of the four that's definitely one of the ones i mean we could even do you know a whole block of instruction just on high lift jacks and and yeah. how they're used and and like you said like a winch or a come along or um there's accessories that'll you know, strap even to the, uh, um, to the wheel of your vehicle to lift it up. I've used them even, I had to change a tire one time, um, here at the house and everything was closed and I, you know, the next morning we're supposed to go out and I've even used them to like break the beads of tires on wheels, you know, with the weight of the vehicle. So I can put the tire underneath, sandwich it in between the truck, jack it up and the force just puts, pulls the bead off the wheel. I mean, there's just a million things you can do with them. Yeah, that's... I, yeah, that's that's crazy that you're able to <laughs> able to do all that different stuff with it. And that's what's and that's what's helpful. I guess this is just a, a sidebar, and I'm sure you'll uh, agree with this. But like understanding how to utilize that equipment is a yes, whole, whole nother game. Like that, that's what it comes into hunting, and something that yep. that's been you know beaten to my head over the years. And as I'm talking to people that might be newer to to not even just going out west, just hunting in general, but like yeah. understanding like how to do things basically, I'd say like with your eyes closed, like, you know, that like the back of your hand that you can yep. utilize that equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, uh, after like kind of moving from the recovery standpoint, I know we could spend all day on these things, but, yeah. uh, uh, the, the other, the other thing is, is a lot of times where you're going and same for you or same for hunters is most of the time you're going to places that don't have cell communication, don't have service mm-hmm. to be able to, to do that. So there's a couple things that like, that I see as importance is being able in an emergency situation to be able to call somebody or be able to get a hold of somebody, I guess. And then also the navigation standpoint with, uh, um, being able to know where you're at, you know, Absolutely. if you don't have a cell signal. So I want to hear your, your thoughts on that. So I've, dude, I, I, I guess I'm going to admit some things here about myself. I'm actually terrible. I have a terrible sense of direction. I, <laughs> I get lost in the city all the time, but I'm usually pretty good about being off road because, um, I like to use, um, uh, terrain features to navigate, right? Um, understand East and West in terms of the sunrise and sunset. You know what I mean? understand those things, but also understand your technology. Um, I've, I've been very fortunate to run apps like uh, Basemap um, and Onyx Off-Road as trials. And what you can do with those uh, um, tech pieces, you can download the actual area that you're going to be at so it won't rely on connection. It'll just need to ping to the GPS satellite, you know, every once in a while, and it will be able to guide you in and out. Um, if you don't do that, then it won't be able to actively generate, you know, the map that you're in. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I like to use too, on my truck, I have the factory navigation. I have an iPad and then I also have my iPhone up heads up and they all, you know, communicate and, and move around. And there's been a couple of instances where, you know, the phone and the iPad weren't grabbing signal the right way and it was giving me erroneous stuff. Um, typically your, your vehicle navs, if you're able to get that as an option, will have just a little bit more power because like I said, the, the vehicle 
uh, extends your range, but also the signal strength of, of what you're doing. Um, so in terms of navigation, I, I love that stuff. Uh, Garmin has a bunch of really great options. I'm sure you've, you've seen a lot of those yeah. with beacons and, you know, even um, some SOS calls where you hit it and then everybody comes and, you know, they yeah. send national grant. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I actually have a, I have a couple of the, the Garmin products. Like I use the InReach Mini um, on hunts because it weighs like four ounces and yes. I can text from it from anywhere in the world. I can hit that the the SOS button and it's a thirty thousand dollar call and the helicopters right. come in it's like this big you know big deal but um, yeah but and so I have that and then I also I'm actually getting a unit um, that goes in my truck that's more of the 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 GPS one that you mount on the dash it's a bigger screen that has navigation and also the inReach technology built into it and that's just because I geek out on that stuff and I think 100%. it's super helpful um, to be able to have something like that and then in addition to that I use the hunting app that I use the Spartan Forge app same thing you can download the off-road or mm-hmm. the offline maps you're able to do that and I have this um I can't think of the brand I went through like a bunch trying to figure out something that actually stuck to your dash to hold your phone up oh yeah, um, yeah but I found one that worked and, and it has like a magnet that goes on the back of your phone and I clip it on there and I'm able to to navigate through there especially if I'm driving through a hunting area I can kind of scout as I'm going through look at looking to see how the train lays out versus what mm-hmm. it looks like on the map and and then also be able to to go through that. So yeah. So have you ever had any issues um, when you download the the maps with finding your ways around? I mean, if you lose all signal, does it still work for you? Because I I have yet to find a limit of that, but I might not be going far enough out. Oh no, there's no limit. Yeah, right? I mean, I got yeah, I was in Alaska in 2020, and I was dropped off over 100 miles from any civilization, and and relied nothing except for that app. And, uh, and I was able to, to use it without throw it, throw your phone in airplane mode and go. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's super helpful, but I always like to have like, you know, a second form of backup on that, you know, in case your phone dies. So I don't know, anything could happen there. So I like to have a couple different, um, backup, especially on something as important as, is that, and you know, and I think like the satellite communicators, like the the Garmin inreaches and stuff like for anybody that's going by themselves, especially Mm -hmm. that is so Mm -hmm. important. You know, whether you're hunting or you're driving somewhere or whatever like that. And I used to like shut my subscription off after hunting season. And now I just lower it to the lowest limit. I pay like five bucks a month and I might get like five free text messages. But it's like, I may never use those, but it's the peace of mind that I have this in my vehicle. And if something were to happen and I needed, and I was in a bad spot, something I can get, even if I'm stuck, you know, even if I'm right. stuck 100%. in a ditch and I, I don't want to walk seven miles to try to get to cell service. Like this is, um, such a, a, a useful tool to be able to have there. 100%. We had a, a I don't know, I don't know how much time, um, you want, on on this uh, podcast but we had an incident um where actually my mentor an older guy in his 50s we actually got separated because we got hit by this microburst on like the second hunt i've ever went on and it's funny because you know we we had this whole plan and everything's in my truck and my pack and for whatever reason to this day he's like i don't know why i did this he left everything in the truck and then we got separated so we're like holy crazy and spending the night we all thought he died Search and rescue came, you know, I called everybody out. We spent the night, we had nods, night vision. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. 
After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. And he ended up he ended up making it because one it was a pretty good storm, so the atmosphere kept the the cold not too bad, but it was it was forty something degrees, you know, thirty something at night. And uh, moral of the story: don't leave any of your cool cool guy gear behind. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I, and that that comes down to even like where you um, when you split up gear, um, like say like I, this comes down to again when we're backpack hunting. I'm thinking back in Colorado this past year when I was hunting there, I ended up getting altitude sickness really bad. And oh, did you? Yeah, and and I've done I've been there before and never had issues. But and anyways, long story short, I ended up having a bunch. I had some other medical issues that I didn't realize I had going in to it and it made it worse um. and but when we were going in i was uh it was me and the camera guy and then the, the two two of my buddies that were hunting i said you guys just go in the rest of the way i'll meet you in there well i never ended up making it in there because my blood oxygen dropped so bad but when they went in he had the altitude medication with them in case anything were like that to happen so they're already in somewhere and you know you, you start splitting up some of these things and that was um you know it was a minor a minor issue right able to hike out and be fine but like still that's it comes down to that that whole side of the preparedness absolutely. thing so absolutely um, so one a couple other things i have here if you have time to to, to keep rolling here a little bit, but a couple of the other things that, that I had was, okay. So I, I mentioned at the beginning, like fuel. So like, what, what do you think of like bringing extra fuel or how to Absolutely. do that? Well, yeah. Explain that Absolutely. a little bit. So, so the way that I run it is probably the most inexpensive way, but also I would, uh, for me in terms of organization, it, it works for me. Um, and that is with like a rotopax mount, you know, it's, it's outside of the vehicle. It's hard mounted to the rack of my truck. Um, each container is four gallons, so I can carry eight, you know, that's almost half a tank of gas for my truck. Um, and then because it's a proprietary amount for Rotopacks, um, it'll also mix and match and I can do water, I can do diesel fuel, I can do a black mount, which is um, uh, like a like a toolbox and I can mix and match moving around. And that's why I like it. I even have a, it's like a, um, uh, what do they call it? Dang, I forget the name of it. It's a tailgate option that you can hold a spare tire and another table. Um, it's mm. from Rig. There you go. It's a Rig Supply Ultra Swing, I believe is what it's called. And even that has Rotopax mounts on it too. So any of those pieces I can move around. Um, the, they are a little expensive for plastic, but the reason I'm saying they're inexpensive is because the other alternative is to add a whole other tank yeah. and fuel up to your rig that's, you know, that's hard mounted. Um, but I'm all about extending your range. One of the things that we did in Philcraft early, early on is Mike has a, um, I forget what gen it is. I want to say it's a 24 valve Cummins diesel. And he added this monster tank on it. And he's like, dude, I get 
you know, like 1500 miles on this beat. And I'm like, no, you don't. He's like, I really do. So one of the challenges and it's on, it's on our, on our sources. He drove from Flagstaff or Prescott, Arizona North all the way to the Canadian border and back without refueling. Yeah. I actually watched that because that, that that video, it's been years, I guess is why I started. Um, I feel like it was in 2019. I started, I bought a, I just bought a Jerry can that I had for, for, uh, putting gas in it. And then another one for water. And, but like, I was like, my brother, I remember, sent me a video. He's like, you got to see this. And I was like, holy shit. It's nuts, like, right? Yeah, yeah, it's- Even Joe Rogan mentioned it. He's like, yeah, I guess there's an extreme prepper guy who like got this gas tank and all the way to Canada and back. And it's, it's funny because it's, it's really the whole purpose was to demonstrate why we believe this way in fuel, right? Especially in a crisis, you know. I don't know how many times in the last two years, bro, gas stations have struggled or lines are out the door. Or even in present day Ukraine, did you see when everyone was leaving? Some of those, some of those people spent fourteen hours just trying to get, you know, yeah, over to stuck Poland, in traffic, stuck in traffic, and they ran out of gas, and then they had to unass their vehicle because it's not there. So, one hundred percent, we we definitely support adding fuel to your vehicle. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at. I've seen those Rotopack systems, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't looked into them that hard. And like the the problem I have with my just my Jerry can is like how to mount it so it stays secure. Like I'd always put it like on like uh, one of those trailer hitch like carriers, yeah. and I I could nestle it in there and tie it down next to my Yeti on the back or whatever. But it still wasn't like it wasn't perfect. Like not yeah, it yeah. just didn't feel secure, and I just didn't like it. So like I'm always trying to figure out better ways for that. And that's, and that's why I chose Rotopacks. They're not perfect. Um, you do have to burp them every day if you're out in the field or you're, yeah. you're changing like, elevation. elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a, a girl in like the second mobility course I ever taught a couple years back. And there's a seam for whatever reason. I don't, I don't think she was burping them, but her seam cracked. And when we, at the end of the, that course, we were at like meeting at a brewery for the community dinner. And we're like walking through the parking lot and like this little stream of fuel was just squirting out the back. And I was like, oh, no, that's never happened to me, um, which huh. is why, I mean, if you're looking for something that's better, the, the jerry cans, the metal ones are always better uh, in that sense. But they are limited on the way you can mount them. Rotopacks, you can put them anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty cool. <clears throat> and uh, OK, so. Uh, moving along, and one of the things is, and I know on your Gladiator that you run a rooftop tent. I've yep. I've run a rooftop tent for the last four years. Like I'm a big fan of them. What? Yeah. Yeah. I I just I I love rooftop tents. The 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 how comfortable they are to sleep in. I have a, a James Brood hard shell on top of go. mine, and oh my, is it freaking sweet? I'm um, dude. I am with you on that. One percent. <laughs> like you know. A lot. There was this one guy. <laughs> there was this one guy. When we used to have a Philcraft Mobility page, but we consolidated them into uh-huh. the. I run the big Philcraft page on Instagram, and there was this one kid who came on. I mean, he was a young guy, twenties, and he was a Subaru guy. And he was like, "You can you can always tell people who don't overland by the rooftop tent." And I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah. Me, the 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 level of comfort that I have in that thing far outweighs. Whatever opinions you have on me, homie. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I have four kids, a dog, my wife. All of us are super comfortable no matter the temperature. Big old three-inch memory foam mattress. Get out of here. I don't need to sleep in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. And you, what, you run a Rome? Is that the brand yeah. that you have? Yeah. Okay. And that's that's a soft one, right? That's one that flips yeah. out. Um, the only thing that I haven't that 
from seeing other people that ran the soft ones was it takes longer to to set up and take down that but the room especially if you have a family uh would definitely be worth it from that standpoint that's the trade-off yeah yeah i'm actually looking for a, a hard shell now because of that fact um and because since i'm usually more often than not doing some kind of trip it's just me um but i, I yeah it, it teach their own, I guess, when it comes to yeah. sleep systems. Um, t- you know what I do too? Like when I go to Easter Jeep Safari here in April and last year, I take it off and I'll use a ground tent, you know, yeah. and just make sure I insulate and, and I'm good when it's just me. But man, I'm a huge fan of rooftop tents and I am going to look at a hard shot coming up soon. Yeah, no, it's, that's, that's, uh, the, so the one that I have, like, it takes like probably 30 seconds to set it up and then putting it down maybe three minutes by myself takes a little bit long, but like for when you're like elk hunting, so you get up, you want to put it down, you want to drive to and just splash to head in. Like it's quick, it's easy to go. I close everything up and I roll and that's done. It's, it's super nice to be able to have yeah. that. And like still like, um, I'll be going, um, bear hunting in Montana here in another month and a half. And like, when I go to do that, I'm going to have some buddies and my brother and stuff there. So I'm going to set up, uh, like a lightweight wall tent, seek outside, Perfect. makes this one that like, and that, that'll be, that's fun for that situation. But like for me, yep. when I'm like by myself or just like moving or if it's cold out, like that thing keeps me insulated well. And it's just, it's, it's super nice to, to be 100%. able to have that. Absolutely. Um, so, um, and then the, the last thing that I, that I wanted to talk about was like, I think the the biggest thing you see, like when you think of off-road vehicles, you think of lift kit and you think of tires, what do you think, uh, from a, a standpoint of a, a practical and that, that term can be used loosely, but like, uh, like w- how important is that? And what, what are your thoughts on those things? Absolutely. So tires to me, and again, we're referencing that and I'm, this is a perfect kind of way to, to end the whole conversation too. Tires, you know, that whole cliche over the rubber meets the road is, is 100% true in everything that we do. Tires are so important and tire size. I actually won't make like a definitive stand on tire size because tire size is mission specific, right? If you're a daily driver, you don't need forties, dude. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. Um, but if you want to rock crawl, well, then we talk about tire size, right? Yeah. Um, when you're planning your rig, my recommendation, and I've, and I've been able to, to be a consultant on a couple of projects, even more recently with, you know, like Jack Carr's doing some stuff with us. Um, the very first thing we sit down and say, from an off-road standpoint, you know, what tire size do you want to wear or do you want to uh, run? And the question almost immediately is, well, what do you think? And I'm like, well, what are you trying to do? You know, um, I don't really have like a dog in the fight when it comes to that. I'm just trying to build around what you're doing. So it's paramount, Right. Where the rubber meets the road, where your tires are at, it's going to determine so many different things. If your vehicle can handle it or not, um, you know, your range even gets affected by them, your performance. Um, the only true lift that you get is from your tires. I mean, you can jack the suspension all the way up. But if you're running little donuts, I mean, the rest of your differential or, or components are still going to be down there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they're super important. It just really depends. Am I a, am I a rocklander like me? You know, I'd kind of do a combination of both. You know, are you an overlander? Are you a weekend warrior? You know, wh- how do you want it to look? You know, all those questions come into play. So in terms of priority, tires to me is is the number one when you're looking at it that way. Yeah. It, like, I, I know, like, for, for, like, all the hunting trips I've been on, like, there's some, you can get some really nasty mountain roads and some of the places that, like, I 
on my truck currently, I just have like a, I have a two and a half inch basically leveling kit on it. And then I have a set of 33 inch tires on it and on a Chevy uh, 1500 platform. And I'd like it to have a little bit bigger tire size on it. I do see a little bit of limitations there more mm-hmm. so that, you know, the truck's longer. So it, you know, you're a lot more apt to bottom out from that standpoint. Yeah, I haven't yeah. found it to be that lit. Like I haven't found that many limitations to where I've had to go um, yeah. with that. But at, at the same time, I'd, I'd like to be, uh, I'd like to have a little bit bigger and I, I run a, a BFG all-terrain KO2. Oh, nice. I've, those tires have just been really good for me from the standpoint good. of like, I, I'm getting 55, 60,000 miles out of them and, right. and they work fairly well in uh you know other uh off-road and most of my miles come on road so it's like this mm-hmm. this balancing act i'm not going to put a big mud train on or something when that's not what most of the uses you don't need yeah yeah no 100 agree um you know it's interesting because that's part of the reason why i um like jeep so much is there's not really anything that compares to it on the market where you can do minimal things, you know, like I have an eco diesel Wrangler that I've just kind of set up that in that manner the last two months. And, you know, I did a real small two and a half inch suspension lift, real basic stuff, nothing like coilovers, nothing like that, just coil sprung. Um, and I can fit 37s. That's crazy. That. It's crazy, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so that's part of the reason why, because I knew ahead of time, I want to run a bigger tire and I don't want to change axles. I don't want to worry about strength. And it's set up in that manner where, um, done it's got an eco diesel so you know originally we're getting something like 24 to 27 mpg um and now it's got 37s it's, it hits around 20 to 22 that's pretty awesome which is though. insane yeah. for 37s you know so yeah i'm getting 30, like 12 and a half 13 out of I mean, my that's... my chevy 1500 you know with the, like it's just that blows my mind that uh you're you're able to you're able to get that that's like right. and, and and i what you said there about like that's what I love gladiators, by the way. Like I love looking at your vehicle and just like, I look at them all the time. And, uh, I was like, if, if I were to get something next, I think I'd be looking at something like that because it's like for how much I use my truck as a truck is very minimal. Um, but like that still gives me the ability to kind of do that, but also have so many other functionalities of it and be able to, and the fact that wheel wells are, are bigger and Mm -hmm. you're able to fit bigger tires on there. I mean, even when I was running a Ram, uh, truck, like I like the wheel wells were shaped different than the Chevy. So I was able to, with a leveling kit, I was running 35 inch tires on it and it was perfectly fine. It wasn't binding. I, I was able to get some more ground clearance where on a Chevy, you need like almost a six inch lift kit to be able to yep. do that without yep. having issues. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I love, I love talking about those types of things. <laughs> um, so if, if you had to, the, the last, last question is yep. if you had to say like, all right, here are the top three things someone needs to to look at from the beginning. You kind of covered that at the beginning of this yeah. episode, but just kind of drive the points home for anybody uh, to think about from a preparedness Absolutely. standpoint. From a preparedness standpoint in mobility, um, highly recommend a four-wheel drive to, to begin with. There is a very famous video that we cir- I circulate a lot on our media sources, um, and it's during the, the it was California fires, and there's a bunch of um, drivers on the highway that are stuck all in one direction is gridlock and, and flames start kind of licking past them, right? The reason why it's so wild is because there's a chain link fence 
on either side and a small canal with a curb. And the chain link fence, you can just run it over, right? But when you get to the curb, the Priuses were struggling and got stuck, you know? There was a couple Civics that were done and there's people like passed out from smoke inhalation, right? All easily managed with a four-wheel drive. And I understand, like some people are like, I can't afford that, it doesn't make sense. I'm in, you know, New York City or in LA. I get it, I get it. But from a preparedness standpoint, you know, four-wheel drive is, is there. You can, just, you can just stay there. You know, it doesn't have to be jacked up. You don't have to go bigger tires. Four-wheel drive is a foundation. After that, you know, focus on the pillars, and I'll reiterate them again. Food, water, shelter, comms, uh, matter health, security is the most important, and then recovery. Um, if you're looking at and you're ready there, I got a four-wheel drive. You know, I'm looking to extend my range. What do I need to start out with? Um, again, it's going to be a fire extinguisher, uh, recovery gear, but medical equipment is huge, right? Make sure yeah. you go that direction. I mean, I mean, it really, really is. It's one of those things that, I mean, it's life or death, right? Yeah. Um, after that, you know, get out and camp. That's yeah. really it. You know, this year, this year where our whole theme is operate the outdoors. And it came from a conversation Mike was having um, with the, with the uh, Black Rifle Coffee uh, motorsports team, right? And they're like, well, what do you want to do? What are we focusing on? And Mike's like, Bro, we're gonna race. We're gonna we're gonna jump out of planes. You know, we're gonna um, be outside. We're gonna go camping. We're gonna go to South Africa. We're gonna go to Mexico. We're doing all these things. And I, I don't even know who it was. It might have been Matt. He was like, "That's like operating the outdoors." And Mike's like, "What did you say?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, go outside. Recreation is the is the test bed. Take your family out. Me being in behavioral health, that speaks to me on a whole spiritual level, bro. Because kids spell love T I M E. Take your family out. If you don't have one, take your significant other out. You, if you don't have anybody, you want to go by yourself, you know this. When we're out there on the top of a mountain and it's like sunset and all that hippie shit that people make fun of, it's one of the <laughs> best, right? Yeah. It's one of the best experiences you will ever fucking have. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's it. Recreate, go outside, take your vehicle out. You know, if you're not too certain on it, don't go too far. You know, figure out what works. I'm actually doing the same thing. You know, I don't, I wasn't raising motorcycles. And motorcycle is just a step above, you know, a backpack. So I'm doing the same thing. I take my little motorcycle out and figure out what works, what doesn't, learn it. And then you can also, and this is a big um, thing that we teach in like firearms, is get training. You know, come do a footcraft survival course. We have all of our information on YouTube, dude. We give away all of our stuff for free. That's what's so funny about it. The course is the only thing that changes in the courses is you get to work on skills with us while you're there. Yeah. But all the information is that this podcast, I mean, exactly gave everything that I teach. The only, <laughs> yeah. The only difference is, you know, like when people come in, I actually have them like plug tires and change tires and jump vehicles, which is and extremely all valuable. Which right? is yeah. right. Yeah, that's um, so that would be it. Go camp, man. Uh, yeah, and and that that last point there, like people are probably sick of me saying this on the podcast, but I am really? so big on uh, in, investing in yourself on like training yourself and invest. Like, you mean like for me, like I'm always like I'll be uh, I always invest in like courses online, and that's why I'm building out my own because I've seen how much value that's brought to me to be able to, to share that with others. But like being able to uh, invest in whether it's hunting or if it's, I've done a lot for business and I've done it, you know, as, as far as preparedness and, and mobility. And like, I definitely want to, I'm definitely going to look to come to one of the field craft survival Absolutely. courses. I was just talking to my buddy, Kip Folks, and he was telling me that he went to a couple of them now. And was, yeah. And he was telling me he went to uh, one gunfighting one in New York and 
and was like kind of explaining uh, that. And I'm like, those types of things are so cool. But the cheapest way um, for anything like you were saying is just spend time outside That's and uh, learn some of it for yourself and uh, get to do that. But anyways, Mike, thank you so much, man. No, man. Uh, let okay. let everybody know where uh, they can find more from you and for me and uh, Fieldcraft Survival and everything. Throw it out. Absolutely. So um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. My name is Mike.a.hernandez, um, and it's the same on YouTube. Only there's no there's no periods or dots. It's just Mike A. Hernandez. Um, those two sources is what I try to to be pretty consistent on. And I've and I can say I've been pretty consistent on those ones. Um, the company page though, FieldcraftSurvival.com is the website. All of our products on there, they're all super rad. It's really cool seeing them develop over the years, uh, especially at where we're at right now. Um, the Fieldcraft Survival Channel is also our YouTube. Um, make sure, you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows who Glover is. He's pretty influential and, and, and popular. But Mike.a.glover um, is our fearless leader, and you know, he's just a wealth of knowledge. Um, so any of those sources, um, I'm pretty interactive too. So if you find me on there and send me a DM or whatever, you know, I'll be all over it to communicate. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for coming on, Mike. I, I greatly appreciate it. No pleasure, man. Seriously, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.